Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who does give us all the time that we need in order to get things done. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I opened up today's worship service with a question that I kind of jokingly said that I'm sure that there's nobody who says that nobody's going to answer this question, no. And that question was, do you, do, do you need more time? And I think because we live in a culture that is so overscheduled, a culture that is, is so filled with different things that we're doing in our lives, that it's, ve- it's very rare that somebody would say, you know, I actually have so much time that, that I'm, I'm not wanting this. Even when we get bored, we get bored not out of usually a sense of, oh, well, I, I don't have anything to do. It's that uh, a lot of times we have so much to do that we just push everything away and we uh, feel like we're, we're being trapped by something or we're being trapped in a certain location or we're being trapped uh, in, in some kind of way. And that's when we get bored. We don't get bored out of this real sense of not having anything to do. And so we we realize that our lives, you know, as we look at our weeks here at the beginning of the week, as we look into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, we we start thinking about all of those to-do list things that are on our plate, and we start thinking about how much time those things are going to take, and we start thinking, holy moly, I need to do some genetic splicing and create a clone of myself so that I can get half of those things done. And that's where we are at a lot of the time. We, we understand that it's really difficult to live in a universe where we are defined not only by space, which is difficult at times as well, but a universe that is defined by time. That there, there are these things that are called seconds and minutes and hours and weeks and days. And that those things are important to us because they are the canister that holds this thing that we call life. And so when somebody comes into our life and somebody begins to add things to our to-do list, to that canister in which we are holding things, when somebody says, hey, can you do this for me? Or, hey, you should do this. Or, hey, you ought to do this. Well, then we don't really like that. Because, well, I already have way more things than I have time for already. And I don't need your thing, thank you very much. I have decided exactly what things are important to me and what things are not important to me. And anything coming from you is de facto not important to me. Which is basically the way that the Israelites were responding to God in our reading in Ezekiel. God sends his prophet Ezekiel in a similar way to when he sent uh, his, his prophet Jeremiah a little bit earlier in history last week. He sends Ezekiel to the same basic group of people and says, hey, by the way, um, uh, you should all repent. And if you don't, well, you're going to die. Now, the tables have turned from last week, because last week we talked about how the people were going to kill Jeremiah. Now, Ezekiel gets to go on the offensive, and he gets to tell the people that they are going to die, unless they turn from their wicked ways. And if they do turn from their wicked ways, well, then there is hope for them, right? 
There is a hope. If you turn from your wicked ways and you become a righteous person, well, then you shall live. But then he backs that up with this. It almost nullifies it. He backs this thing up with, but if you count on being righteous and you just sit back on your laurels, then you will actually become wicked again. And, well, then you're back to die. Well, that's no fun, is it? I mean, that's kind of the the way that we probably all felt when we're listening to that gospel reading, possibly, if we weren't still hung up on what in the name is a Tower of Siloam, and why is Pilate mixing people's blood with sacrifices? That's icky. But but if if you were reading that, that little part along with us about the fig tree, then you were probably thinking, oh, well, this probably applies to me, and oh, this is really not that good of news. Because, how does it go? Jesus says, well, um, uh, there was a fig tree once upon a time, and the fig tree wasn't being very good at being a fig tree. And we all know that that's us. Because we're like, the only way that I get figs is Newton. I do not grow them myself. It is very difficult for me to do that. And it is just as difficult, really, for you to, uh, to, to put out righteousness. I mean, you might as well try to be growing figs. And, and so there, there's kind of this sense of, oh, that's me. Okay. Well, and, and then you get what sounds almost like good news, right? Because then the servant, the master says, ah, this fig tree is dumb. Let's cut it down. And then the servant comes up and says, wait, 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 wait. Um, let me dig around it. Let me um, water it. Let me put on some manure. And then in a year, then if it's producing fruits, then, then great. We'll, we'll keep the tree. And there's almost that glimmer of hope that we have in our souls that says, yes, I get a second chance. But then the reality sets in when he says the next part. And he says, but if there is, there are no figs on the fig tree after a year, well, then we'll cut it down. And you go, oh, I'm dead. Because a year is not going to make much difference. And so we're left kind of in despair and going, oh, I need more time. I need more time. And it, it all brings me back to uh, when I was in undergrad myself. And uh, I remember I had this great prof who uh, loved me in a way that I can only imagine the only other person who loved me in this way is Jesus. Um, be, because he kept on giving me extensions on a paper, which I abused. I mean, he was an enabler, really. Because he would say, well, I'll give you this an extension on this paper because I know that you're good. And I know that you can get this done. And I went, oh, I get an extension? Great. Some of you are thinking about that with your taxes right now. Oh, I could get an extension. We could go to October. Fantastic. And so I said, great. And then it got around to the time where he said, well, this is the end of your extension. Where's my paper, buddy? And I said, well, um, you know, it's good. Uh, I've got it done. I didn't have it anywhere near done. But you could really use some finishing touches. 
And so my professor, being like Jesus, said, okay, that's fine. Uh, you, you've got a couple more weeks. I went, great, a couple more weeks. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This is going to be the best paper you have ever read in your life. Went back, didn't work on my paper at all. Got to the end of the semester, believe it or not, end of the semester, I still had not finished my paper, because you can tell what kind of an awesome student I was in undergrad. Went to my professor, went, man, I'm really busy with a lot of stuff, and now I was actually sort of repentant, uh, and to be honest, I haven't been working on this like I've been telling you, Um, it's, it's, it's really not right. If I turn it into you right now, it's it's not going to be a good paper. You're not going to like reading it. Um, I'm sorry. I, I abused what you gave me. And he said, well, I, I've got this, this tool in my toolkit. Um, I can give you not an A or a B or a C or a D and an F. I can give you an I. And I went, what does that mean? He said, I is for incomplete. That means that you can turn this in sometime next semester, and uh, I will grade it, and I will give you credit for it. To which I went, seriously? (laughs) And he gave me an I. And I had to explain it to my parents when I went home. I got an I. And they were like, how bad was it? You know how many letters away that is from F? <laughs> and I said, that means that I have to work on this paper over break, but that he will then turn that I into whatever it is that the paper is worth. And I think that's a lot of times the way that we treat our relationship with God. We, we keep on going to him and we keep on saying, Man, I was going to work on this, but just not ready. Not ready to live this life of righteousness. I'm not ready to do this good thing that you've put on my heart. I'm not ready to do all of this stuff. I thought I was, but I'm not. Or I I thought that I would do this, and I've just put it off. And I, I come to you repentantly and saying, I, I I'm a fig tree that should get cut down. And God, in his amazing grace, comes and says, Well, let me give you an eye. And you go, well, Really? I get an eye? Because here's the thing about an eye is that um, it's, it's this beautiful place that we live in spiritually. It's maybe not so beautiful if you're in academia. But it's a beautiful place to live in spiritually. Because basically what what an eye does is it gives you time. An eye says, you've got the time, just get the work done. And we as Christian people know that there is work to do. But we know that there is also a short period of time in which we get to do it. That we are all headed to the grave. That we are all headed to this definite, literal deadline. Where I, I don't think I have enough time to be righteous. 
That would take like an eternity. But the beautiful thing about the eye is that the eye, when you have that eye on your transcript, unless it gets to the point of graduation, it does not count against your GPA. Maybe rules are different here at Florida State. But at my undergraduate institution, it did not count against your GPA. And so while we're living in this life, that's what it means to live in our baptized lives. Is that we are living in a state of I, in a state of incompleteness. And that's why we come here and we plead to God for mercy. Have you noticed how much mercy shows up in our worship service? I mean, we sing that thing called the Kyrie, and Kyrie eleison means, um, uh, Lord, have mercy. It's, it's um, uh, uh, Kyrie it comes from the, the word for Lord, and eleison means have mercy. So it shows up there. It shows up in uh, the glory and excelsis. There, there's this thing about, Lord, have mercy. When we pray, we pray saying, Lord, have mercy. We go through this whole thing, and we keep on asking God for mercy, mercy, mercy. Just like I asked my professor for more time, more time, more time. And God, every time, just like my professor, says, here you go. All the time that you need. How much time do you need? Well, you need eternity. Here it is. I died on the cross in order to purchase this for you. And that doesn't mean that we don't get to do the work. It means that we actually have enough time to do the work and to enjoy it. But most importantly, It means that God has said, you're good. This doesn't count against your spiritual GPA. That, in fact, you will be able to get to graduation and someday die. And that at that point, your I will turn to an A. Because on that point, God will say, your righteousness is still not enough. But you're out of time in this life. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to switch your grade with the grade of my son who died on the cross. And you are going to receive all that you need. From him. And it's not going to be incomplete. It's going to be totally complete, totally perfect, totally beautiful, totally laudable, totally worthy of an A. And that is why we worship. Because right now we have eyes. But one day, we will have His A. Amen.